0: for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, April 15th, 2010, Tax Day. Ah, Today we're competing against Issues Etc. 24-hour Issues Etc. Marathon. The story behind that actually is hilarious. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which is to help you to think biblically, to help you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the word of God. No shortage of Bizarre, unbiblical things about God being proclaimed in Christian pulpits. Ah! <laughs> Why do we do this? Well, because we want to tell you the truth. We want to tell you the biblical gospel, the one you may not be getting at your church. You might be getting greeting card sentimentalities uh, from the pulpit, you may be given, maybe even given stuff that basically points you to yourself and lets you know that God is there trying to set an example for you to have an abundant life or you know, whatever. You get what I'm saying. The problem is, is that we have a book. It's called the Bible. It happens to be the infallible, inerrant word of God, and it's got the greatest news in it ever. I mean, nothing tops this one, okay? Because each and every one of us understands what sin is really all about. Why? Well, because we've experienced it. We've experienced it firsthand in the wretched and rotten and terrible things that we've done to other people, the wretched and rotten and terrible things we've done to God and the wretched and rotten and terrible things that other sinners have done to us. We here on planet earth, we have all pretty much just mess the whole thing up it doesn't matter how brilliant and dazzling our new technologies are the, i mean seriously i mean the ipad's been out for a, what a week and a half two weeks i don't know anyway and you know already you know there's stories about how you know porn developers are you know are developing porn for the ipad it's like wh- <laughs> the thing just came out yeah, <clears throat> yeah you know <laughs> you know it you just you, you you find these things out and you just sit there and go okay yep proof positive that we are all by nature sinners and rebels so here's the deal though each and every one of us also according to god's word has god's law written on our heart okay we know we know it's not even deep down but somebody's somebody's make it sound serious here you know deep down in your heart that you are gonna have to face god someday and it's not even deep down it's kind of like that nagging thing that you you wake up in the middle of the night it's a warm spring evening and you haven't turned the air conditioner on yet and so the you know the temperature in your bedroom isn't Quite as cool as you like it so that you can have restful sleep and and you're tossing and turning and maybe you're sweating a little bit in bed and all of a sudden you realize (gasps) I'm going to die someday. I just... Man, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm going to have to face God. Yeah, you are. And what are you going to tell him? I mean... Could I mean the embarrassment? I mean, uh, seriously, I, um, it, when the the day of judgment in the Bible is described as the day that the books are opened. Y- yeah, they're keeping books on the things you and I and other people have done. Uh, they're keeping books. There's they're watching. They're writing things down. How do you think you're going to do uh, when the books are open? You, they're going to open up the book and go, oh. Look at this person! What a great no! And I, and I can tell you, me, if they publish those books, oh, I'm I'm just sunk. Yeah, I mean seriously, I am a wretched and rotten sinner, and my str- unbroken string and chain of sin goes all the way back to as far back as I can remember. I can remember sinning as a toddler. You know, some of my first memories are of like lying to my mom or, or stealing a cookie from the cookie jar when I was told not to, yeah, that, that that's disobedience and disrespect to your parents. I was breaking the fourth commandment before I could you know even construct coherent sentences. And if you're honest with yourself, it's the same with you too. So in the Bible, we've got a great story, some good news. Wretched and rotten and terrible and rebellious sinners like you and like me. God is giving out full pardons. I am not kidding. It's seriously all that stuff that they're keeping in the books. Doesn't it doesn't get to count against you at all. You're sitting and going how do I get in on that. Christ has died for your sins. Repent and believe the good news. Turn from your self-righteousness and your sinfulness and your winking at sin as if it's no big deal. Acknowledge that you are a rotten sinner in need of a Savior and trust in what Christ has done for you. It's good news. And you know what? That's not even your work. The repenting and the trusting, that's even given to you as a gift. Christ Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, and he died on the cross for all of your sins. Every single one of them. Not some of them, not just part of them, but all of them. Full and complete pardon. Your debt to God, all of the accounting books racking up your sin debt to God. The big red stamp in Jesus' blood right on the front page plop that says paid in full those sins can never count against you again full and complete pardon all of your sins forgiven in christ that's the message that that gets me up every day that that i can't wait to share with you on the radio and that's the message that we need to be hearing in our pulpits Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. If you think that you don't need to hear that thing, oh, come on, that's that's just baby stuff. I heard that, you know, 22 years ago when I uh, first made a decision to follow Jesus. What do you keep pointing me back to that for? Because you sinned. And see, when you pray daily, the way the Lord told us to pray, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You are confessing that you are sinning daily and you need the cross daily. I can't think of a more important thing to tell you. And so on this program, you get law and gospel. You get really bad, crazy things, but then you also get to hear the gospel alongside of it. Because I want you to hear what, how people are twisting the message and we're losing sight of the message. And how the, mess, how the biblical gospel, the real good news, the, the quintessential apex thing has somehow faded off into the distance. And it happens so easily. When you think that you've got a better way of doing it than God has, has instructed us to do. When uh, you lose confidence in the authority of scripture and, what cry, and, and and it's the story that it tells is being credible. I mean, pastors are, well, they can be led into temptation just like you and I can. And many times, that's where Satan focuses his efforts. Why? Because if he can get your pastor to shut up about Jesus, then you're not going to hear the gospel. And you know what? You're going to believe all kinds of Looney tunes, crazy things about God. And you know what? You're never going to hear the real thing. And you're never going to repent. You're never going to have your sins forgiven. And you're going to go to hell. That's the idea. Satan couldn't defeat Jesus on the cross. Maybe he can get everyone to shut up and stop preaching the gospel. Well, I kind of like the idea that getting up on a daily basis and proclaiming Christ and him crucified for our sins probably really upsets the devil. And you know what? I can think of no better fun thing to do than really upsetting that guy. Just something I'm just saying, you know. Anyway, today's edition of Fighting for the Faith... It's not a Friday light, I, but, but I've decided to do something along the lines of a Friday light. I, I listen. I couldn't just limit my Easter uh, worst my Easter contestants to five. I I'm cheating. That's right, I'm cheating, folks. I hate to say it, but we're <laughs> we're going to listen to three bad Easter sermons today. Two of them are really short, though. And what I wanted to get into the mix is um, I want you. I said, By the way, these are tough to find. I wanted to get into the mix some mainline liberal uh, denominational sermons for uh, for Easter, and so I've got a I've got an Easter sermon from an ELC a liberal ELCA pastor. I've got a Easter sermon from a liberal Episcopalian uh, pastor. Um, and I think this guy's in New York city. I got to find his church though. Um, and then, and then to, oh man, this is hilarious. And then I've got, uh, one, one from a seeker driven guy. So we got, we got two short sermons and one a little bit longer. And, um, it's really, it, it, it there's a, it's an interesting spectrum that we get in here. And what's it, funny is, is that one of the things I'm really looking for and, uh, I, I can't believe I don't have this. I mean, but the reality is is that I never realized how difficult it was to find something like this until I started hunting for it. You know, I have probably have the world's largest uh, collection of sermons. Uh, I mean, I, I've got a couple of hard drives, uh, ex- external hard drives full of these things that I've been saving. I mean, and in my, uh, in my iTunes Podcast directory. I currently have—I <laughs> don't even want to admit this. This is uh, kind of sad. I've got one thousand one hundred and fifty-eight sermons that I haven't l- yet listened to, at least you know, sampled or whatever. I mean, these are anyway. You thinking, boy, Roseboro? You know what Perry Noble said about she's probably right. You have way too much time on your hands. <laughs> Who does this kind of stuff? Well, <laughs> me. Anyway, um, so t- today's edition, we're going to listen to three Easter sermons. Uh, they're all going to be contested, So I, th- we're, we're, you're going to have the opportunity to vote on seven. Well, that's only if I don't add another one tomorrow. But, uh, I, I, well, yeah, I, I haven't figured out which of the uh, bad Easter sermons I want to be the cherry on the... Uh, you know what? I don't even know if that's the right way of putting it. I did... <laughs> they're all bad for different reasons. So um, I have my favorite already as to which one I would vote for, but that's just a different story. Anyway, so uh, today's uh, Easter sermons, uh, let's see. The first one is from uh, Central Lutheran in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Pastor uh, Rick Nelson. And the name of his sermon is called The Easter Napkin. Yep, the Easter napkin. And then um we've got a uh, a sermon. Let me f- see if I can find out what th- this guy's congregation is. Hang on a second here. I think it's important to know this. Okay, Grace Cathedral San Francisco. Sorry. <clears throat> Grace Cathedral in San Francisco, California. Um it's an Episcopal congregation. The right Reverend Mark Handley, uh Mark Handley Andrus is uh, the uh the um the presiding uh, person there. And just this one's like uh, dry Melba toast. But man, I mean, talk about, I mean, here we've got this great news and what I, what we end up with is like, you're sitting there. You're going to go sit there and go, huh? Now what the funny thing is, is that these mainline liberal denominations, the here's the, the irony here is it is that, um, content wise not delivery wise but content wise there's very little difference between what these guys are preaching and what we're hearing from a lot of these seeker driven guys i'm telling you the content is almost identical the themes are almost the same uh their delivery though um i don't know what it is about uh, some of these older mainline liberal denominations but um they're they are capable of taking the best news in the world and um uh, uh, make it sound like a calculus lecture from probably the world's most boring calculus professor. Anyway, uh, um, and then our third sermon is from City Community Church, uh, Pastor Nathan LaGrange, uh, LaGrange, and the name of it is Awakenings Unashamed. Now, you'll hear the gospel in that sermon, but I play it because for, as far as Easter sermons go, it makes you wonder, you know, hey, Ed and Nathan, um, do you understand what you're supposed to be preaching about on Easter Sunday? You, yeah. Um, you, there's a line in there. I just can't wait for you to hear. Anyway, so that's what we're going to be doing today. All kinds of fun. Make yourself comfortable. Your your listener experience, you enjoying and having a great listener experience is supreme in in, in my book. So I don't want you to ever think that I don't care about your uh, listener experience because i i really do so make yourself comfortable don't wear fuzzy bunny slippers if you are living in warm climate and of course um adult beverages we don't have a problem with that at all all right so with that uh, it's important to, well you, hang on a second here i mean this is tradition here at fighting for the fifth i can't believe i didn't do this you know Rosebro. i you know, <sighs> Roseboro, I, you know I just, sometimes i just think that um I'm losing my mind. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I just wanted to say ugly. That's right, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We are an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's edition of Fighting for the Faith is, by the way, named Easter Sermon Palooza. That's right. Consider it to be the bad Easter sermon trifecta. (laughs) Uh, With the Easter napkin, the Easter sermon from San Francisco and uh, City Community Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's right. Get your hip waders on. If you have... uh, If you have... um, equipment for uh, putting on your head in order to keep your jaw, you know, in place so that it doesn't hit the floor. And, you know, by the way, I, I don't want to hear any emails from anybody complaining that they have a broken jaw as a result of listening to this program. yep yeah. my insurance doesn't cover broken jaws because they've fallen on the ground, so you're just going to have to suck it up. <laughs> All right, I'm going to kill the music here. I am in a weird mood. All right. Uh, so uh, without any further ado, our first contestant for the Easter Sermon Palooza uh, episode, our, our Easter trifecta of bad, stinky sermons, uh, comes with the first uh, contestant is Pastor Rick Nelson, uh, Central Lutheran Church, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, in ELCA congregation. And the name of the sermon is The Easter Napkin. Now, I want to pay, pay close attention. You're actually going to hear something gospelish. Well, why? Because he's going to read for you, uh, for you uh, the gospel lesson coming from the uh, Gospel of John uh, the resurrection account there in, God, in John chapter twenty. So uh, here is um, Pastor Rick Nelson,
1: the Easter Gospel according to John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbunai, which means teacher. Okay, so far so
0: good I mean here we're hearing the gospel lesson from the Gospel of John the announcement of the great news that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and uh, what are you going to focus on for that passage well you know
1: well let's listen hallelujah Christ is risen, he is risen Let me see you. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. I love John's account of the resurrection. Mary, running to the tomb while it's still dark, seeing the stone rolled away, she runs back to Peter and to one other disciple, and John calls him the one Jesus loved scholars believe that's John's way of putting himself in the gospel story so Mary rats on the body snatchers Peter and the other disciple they have a foot race for the tomb and of course the other disciple the one Jesus loved gets there first Finally, panting hard, perhaps limping a bit from his hard work as a fisherman, Peter finally gets there only to discover that the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, was only brave enough to stick his head in the opening, hadn't gone in, so Peter trounces on in. So far, so good. I mean, he's
0: sticking to the text, right?
1: Well, hang on. And then this interesting detail which caught my eye as I read this gospel of John again last week. In verse 6 and 7, Peter saw the linen wrappings lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been used around Jesus' head. The cloth was rolled up, folded up in a place by itself, separate from the other linens the napkin is what they used to call that head cloth nice touch that napkin
0: the, this is where you're gonna focus this sermon is on the napkin
1: only john tells of it None of the other Gospels include that little detail in the story. All, by the way, it's just a little detail. All rolled up there by itself, separate from the body wrappings or the shroud, as some might know it. Both Peter and the beloved disciple were intrigued and dazzled and puzzled by that empty tomb. And Mary was, too. But that folded napkin... They were puzzled
0: about the empty tomb, and you 're focusing in on the the folded napkin. Is this an Easter joke? It was Easter on April first
1: is what dazzles me I think most of us know the story pretty well. the basic facts, even those who don 't worship today or believe the story know a little about it
0: why don't you focus it on those then instead of the napkin
1: but could it be that there's a little easter gift something to learn in the details of this very familiar story could it mean that even after death jesus was a neat freak so happy easter to all of the obsessive compulsive people who are here today Or could it be that he remained so well-trained by his mother that he couldn't resist cleaning up his mess after his own resurrection? Or as a common courtesy and as a matter of ecological consideration, he folded it up neatly, set it aside for the next Resurrector? Probably not. Or maybe that folded napkin was the fine work of the angelic messengers who appear in the story in the other Gospels who spent hours on that first Easter at the empty tomb waiting. There they were, waiting for the various disciples and family to show up so that they could greet them with the good news that Jesus had risen. He had risen just as he said he would. And those, as those arrived, which they came in fits and starts, they had some space, some time to kill in between as God's gophers, going for this, going for that. It would have been second nature for them to spend the time between visits to the empty tomb by straightening things up a bit. Can't you just hear them whistling?
0: Uh, Don't you, can't you just hear that this sermon completely misses the point?
1: No, don't do that <laughs> Can't you just hear him though that They're having a conversation Oh that god, he's great on the Great on the big picture, but he leaves A lot of the details to be worked out Look at that head covering Jesus just tossed it to the side Let's The
0: story doesn't tell us anything Except for that it was folded up It doesn't say who folded it up
1: Let's pick it up and fold it up And put it over there No, I don't think so Down through the centuries, a lot of energy and ink have been spent on the meaning of the empty tomb, its role in the Easter faith of the disciples of Jesus.
0: Yeah, why don't you focus on that instead of the napkin?
1: How it affects you and I today, now, yada, 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 but... I wonder if you would spend a few moments with me this evening. So all of the details about what
0: the empty tomb really means and how it has to do with our faith, you know, Christianity, is yada, 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 you'd rather focus on the uh,
1: napkin. Wow, that says a lot. Easter, pondering the significance of the folded napkin. With visions of chocolate bunnies and jelly beans dancing in our heads, with Ma in her kerchief and Pa in his cap, or at least a new Easter dress for Ma, and they scrubbed Dad up, hosed him off. Children polished and looking marvelous. Pigs and ducks all over the country have given their lives for our celebration today. Let's spend a moment with a napkin. (laughs) <clears throat> Folks, yeah, this this
0: was the actual sermon that was preached at Central Lutheran in Minneapolis,
1: Minnesota. I see it as the signature of the risen Christ. A sign that he leaves behind something like the Lone Ranger's silver bullet to show that he has been there, that he's done his work, The folded napkin is a wonderful touch, I think, to the resurrection account. A way of demonstrating that the risen Lord had indeed been made alive again and was in no real rush to get out of that tomb. Care to elaborate
0: uh, what his resurrection means? You know, uh, appears for our transgressions, died on the cross for our sins, raised for our justification. Any of these things ring a bell for you. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Nelson, um, you are supposed to be a Lutheran pastor. I understand the ELCA has completely bit the bullet regarding biblical authority and everything else like that, and that they're off in la la land. <sighs> yeah, maybe it's too much to ask that on Easter you would actually preach, you know, a biblical. Sounds biblical, though, because you know, have napkin's mentioned in the Bible.
1: And certainly body snatchers, they wouldn't take the time to fold up the head cloth. This little detail reminds us that God is still attentive to the small things where most of us spend our real lives. Small stuff. A reminder that even the details matter to a resurrected God. Oh, yeah. Can you give us some of the
0: bigger details here?
1: If those first disciples arriving at the empty tomb had understood the message of that folded napkin, I think perhaps... What
0: message? Was there writing on the folded napkin? Dear Peter and John, just wanted to let you know, hey, I'm uh, risen from the dead. I'm back. (laughs) Yeah, meet me in uh, Galilee, uh, Planning a fish fry. Uh, uh, Meet you there at...
1: There was no message written on the... They would not have been so shocked and so dumbfounded and even doubting later that night when the resurrected Jesus came walking through the wall and through the locked doors of that upper room to appear to them, to greet them, to calm them down, to wish them...
0: Peace. Oh, that's right. If they had just paid a close attention to the folded absentee, Hey, wait a second, the body is not here. What do we make of this? Oh, look, it's a folded napkin. (gasps) What's that trying to tell us? I know.
1: Peace. I mean, any risen Lord that would pause to straighten the cloth that had wrapped and covered his dead head could certainly be expected to take care of life's messes. Any God that sweats the details like that could surely take care of the disciples' future. He cared about how their lives would go, helping them to discover where they should go from there. That's the meaning, I think.
0: Of Th- this is the best that you can do on Easter, really. The folded napkin.
1: It's the beginning of order in the midst of the chaos to which humanity is an heir it's a sign and symbol that death have been slaughtered that they don't have the final say even a divine reminder as Easter people that if such detail is good enough for Jesus to tend to then we ought to get down and dirty with the needs and the hurts and the disorder of the world that we are given to live in.
0: I see. Because Jesus folded the napkin, that means that we need to get down and dirty and, and fold up the
1: dirty linens of the world. Law, not gospel. I believe that napkin sits there in today's Easter gospel as it has for centuries. A bit of brightness within the dark tomb and all that it represents beckoning us, challenging us, drawing us in as it drew those first disciples into faith, propelling us as it sent the first disciples into loving service. I invite you today to take time at your Easter tables, seriously, and fold the napkins, paper or cloth. Your guests will say, what are you doing? And folding the napkins. It reminds me of the story of Jesus, the empty tomb, our marching orders, the family crest of Christians called to be about the business of straightening up the world's napkins.
0: I thought we were supposed to be about the business of making disciples, uh, read Matthew 28, and proclaiming repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Yeah, I just you know, call me a legalist if you want, but, I mean, uh, that's Luke's version of the Great Commission there in Luke 24. Uh, Be about the business of straightening up the world's messes? Where does it say
1: that in the Bible? Picking up after the disorderly, attending to some of the small stuff, making peace between enemies and amongst war makers, igniting love even amongst the unlovable, and the unlovely, generating uh,
0: uh, typical liberalism here.
1: Hope and goodwill in a day when there is precious little of it. Now, of course, Easter points to later, it points to that life after death. But the napkin is also a symbol of this time between then and later. A sign of our mission, our purpose right now, given to us by Jesus. You know,
0: to make a difference in the world, our mission and purpose is to, you know, engage in the global peace plan. You see, when you hear it from a liberal, mainline denominational pastor, it's so obvious. And you hear it from Rick Warren, who's supposed to be a conservative evangelical, you sit there and go... It doesn't quite sound right, but see the thing is, is that as soon as you hear it from the liberal, you realize, oh, I get what Rick Warren is.
1: Listen to yourselves. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Alleluia, Alleluia, the Lord is risen. Alleluia, Alleluia, Christ is risen. If you win
0: this thing, Alleluia, the napkins are folded.
1: Now, don't you think it's about time we fold a few of the world's napkins?
0: Really? Fold a few of the world's napkins? Excuse me. (coughs) It's like a hairball or something got stuck in my throat. I don't know where that came from.
1: It wasn't too trivial for a risen Jesus to deal with. Neither should it be.
0: You see, no one knew this until 2010. That the whole purpose of the of the folded napkin was to point you to the social
1: gospel, duh. For us, happy Easter. Okay,
0: that's our our. I kid you not. Wow, that was bad. Okay. <laughs> We are up on our first break. <laughs> wow. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back.
4: Is chash. Hey! You wanna feel holier than thou? Try Bible Thirst! Holy drinks for people who need gratuitous amounts of piety. With all new flavors like prosperity, instant abundance. It's like adding your bank account to an electrical storm. Sound the alarm. You're gonna be uncomfortably holy. What's that? You want mana? Well how about super mana? Made with lightning. Real lightning preaching. You'll be good at it. It's a holy drink for men. Clergy! These aren't your pastor's puns. They are righteous puns. Piety puns. Sinner, saint, sinner, saint. Prayers lights, cross lights, power lights, more lights than your body has room for. You'll be so holy mother Teresa will be like slow down. And be like, no! And roundhouse kicker in the face with your Bible brother. pants! You have so much holiness, holiness! Ah. Just praying all the time! Power, praying, power, preaching, power, praising, power, fasting, power, meditating, power, laughing, power, spawning, gesture! You have so much gesture! Just like Esau! Give prosperity to babies, they'll be holy too! Make your babies run abnormally fast! They'll be as fast as Elijah! People will watch them running and think they're Elijah! They'll race as fast as Elijah! In a race with the actual Elijah! And it'll be a time they'll get deported back to Israel! Hey, go with the for sure thing! Don't gamble on your afterlife. Jesus! Try Bible Thirst, the energy that will make you holy! <laughs>
0: The spring and summer travel seasons are just around the corner and the last thing you want to do is pay more for your airfare hotel and rental car than you need to that's why pirate christian radio is proud to have cheapo air as one of our featured advertisers cheapo air has over 18 million flight deals low airfare guarantees and 85,000 negotiated hotel rates around the globe and if you visit our website piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap we have a promo code that will save you an additional ten dollars off of cheapo airs already low prices so visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap write down the promo code click on the web banner and book your spring or summer travel today And remember, a portion of your purchase at Cheapo Air will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That web address again is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Thank you for your support. back. Warning, if you think Jesus' folded napkin in his tomb is a secret message about the social gospel, you're not reading the Bible right. All right, need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon your gifts and contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you. You can support us financially and partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see two buttons when you get there. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you are uh, agreeing to uh, contribute a mere $6.95 a month. Uh, to support Fighting uh, for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio it comes out of your account automatically. And, of course, you get access to our Pirate Cove. And if you'd like to uh, fill in the amount as to how much you'd like to contribute rather than sending in six ninety five, dollars you can do so by clicking on the Donate button. It lets you fill in the amount. And then uh, and that's all secure. Or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Okay, uh, contestant uh, number two today on our Easter, pl- Easter Sermon Palooza, the, uh, the Stinky Trifecta, is um, uh, Re- the Right Reverend Mark Handley uh, from uh, Grace Cathedral in San Francisco, California, a liberal Episcopalian uh, congregation, and um, it's just entitled Easter. Um, listen in.
2: I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A tip. If you're seeking to understand Jesus of Nazareth through the Gospels written about him, always follow what Mary Magdalene is saying and doing. The rest of them, not very reliable. <laughs> Peter, too impetuous. John, too abstract. Jesus's mother, profound, but she keeps it to herself. Other... Dang.
0: <laughs> okay, we're starting off our Easter sermon by basically dissing everybody who's been with Jesus. Yeah, that's a smart thing to do.
2: Disciples fall asleep when they're supposed to be watching and the rest squabble with each other as to who is the greater. Mary Magdalene, and Magdalene may mean tower or exalted one, it could be a title, is the one who follows most closely after Jesus and sees most deeply into what he's about. And today, I wonder if her mistaking him for the gardener was that much of a mistake. Huh? Okay,
0: so our first uh, liberal mainline denomination ELCA guy was focusing in on the napkin, and now the, um, Mark Handley Andrus here is um, thinking that maybe it wasn't such a big mistake after all to think Jesus was a gardener. Oh, man, this is just an adventure in missing the point.
2: I wonder if maybe he meant it, if he wanted her to apprehend him as the gardener and had something to teach by his actions as well as his
0: words. Then, then he, don't you think he would have explained it then? I mean, Mary goes, oh, I think you're the gardener. And she says, and then Jesus says to her, Mary, and she turns and she goes, Rabboni. I mean, did, don't you think if Jesus wanted her to learn a lesson uh, from the whole, oops, I thought you were the gardener thing, that uh, they, that he would have said, I know that you thought that I was the gardener. And that was a fortuitous thing that you have done, Mary, uh, for after all, I've got a message for you about gardening
2: not far-fetched within a chapter he will be coming through a locked door into a room where people are hiding in fear and despite his incorporeality in that moment he will then show them his hands and his sides the wounds that are still on his body teaching through who he is and what he does as much as by what he says Uh, despite his
0: incorporeality Hang on a second here. I, just, I detected a, um, a theological fast one. Got to back it up. I want to see how he's using that word, in Caporia. whatever. Hang on.
2: As well as his words. Not far-fetched. Within a chapter, he will be coming through a locked door into a room where people are hiding in fear. And despite his incorporeality in that moment, he will then show them.
0: Despite his incorporeality in that moment. Basically, this guy is saying that uh, despite the fact that Jesus didn't have a body, uh, there's some monkey business going on here about Jesus' resurrection at this point.
2: Typical liberal. His hands and his sides, the wounds that are still on his body. Teaching through who he is and what he does as much as by what he says. And shortly after that, he will share a meal on the beach with his disciples. Some broiled fish. Probably some of your friends are doing similarly now instead of being in church. (laughs) So it's not far-fetched to think that this most discerning, Most faithful of all the disciples, the first to be witness to the resurrection, got it right.
0: Okay, what are they... Again, this... I've said something like this before, and I'll say it again. This is exactly the right uh, reason why you probably should engage in random, unannounced drug screening when it comes to your pastors. Seriously, I mean, your point at this point, Reverend Mark Hanley Andrus uh, from San Francisco, uh, an Episcopal congregation out there, that in order, really, that this was a fortuitous, it's not a far-fetched thing to think that there's something deep and profound in this whole Gardner, oops, I thought you were the Gardner thing incident. Wow. Yeah, actually, this is not only far-fetched, this is just rank, rank Bible-twisting.
2: When she saw him and thought that he was a gardener, and that he might well have intended that. I wonder what she saw. I wonder if she might have seen a person who was not only in a garden early in the morning doing the work of a gardener at that time of day. She was weeping. (sighs) Read the text.
0: She was weeping. She wasn't seeing
2: straight. She was out of sorts. That's natural to suppose. But I wonder if he might have been doing some gardening activity.
0: It, the text doesn't say he was doing any gardening activity.
2: Maybe, maybe he was working around a fig tree.
0: Maybe he was actually Elvis. Elvis having been beamed down from the mothership and was doing, you know, the blue suede shoe thing. And she mistook it for, you know, a a really hip gardener.
2: That was planted near the tomb. And it was a healthy fig tree and quite beautiful in its foliage. But no fruit was on it. No figs were on it. And he was working his way around... Uh, none of this is in the text. And ...the roots of it, next to him, a basket of pungent manure. Be- uh, neither
0: the fig tree nor the pungent manure is mentioned anywhere in any of the resurrection accounts in the Gospels. <sighs> yeah, I smell pungent manure, all right. <laughs> it's the sermon. ...be worked around the roots...
2: And Mary, very naturally then, would suspect that he was a gardener and address him in that way. Jesus is trying to, in his words to her, say more than Resurrection 1.0.
0: Wow, that's profound. And what was he trying to say to her that he wasn't using words to say it because he didn't say those words?
2: Which is, I'm alive. And as we would suspect with Mary, she grasped that immediately. Rabuni. She hears her name said by her friend, her teacher, her master, her savior, and she leaps to the conclusion That this man who has been gruesomely executed only a short time before, laid in a tomb three days before, is alive. Well, yeah.
0: There he was, standing upright, talking to her. Ta-da! She figured out, you know what, he must not be dead because he's standing right there talking to me. (sighs) Really?
2: Really? But he has a deeper and further message for Mary and for you. And
0: Uh, and, um, the the deeper, uh, is this Gnosticism? What's the deeper,
2: hidden, secret message that's not in the text? And for me, Resurrection 2.0. Don't hold on to me, Mary, because I am ascending to my Father working around the fig tree applying manure the fig tree and the
0: manure are nowhere mentioned in the text we already talked about this
2: man patiently giving it the nurture it needs even
0: though it hasn't borne fruit for two this guy's actually preaching on stuff that's not in the text that he put in there this is a, (laughs) a liberal eisegesis at this point wow
2: breathtaking to behold two years giving it another year and the love and the care and the nurture it needs believing that it will bear fruit this is the work of christ whose spirit from that moment on is spread abroad over the earth no longer to be apprehended as a single person a singularity raised from the dead extraordinary enough but the further uh, where in the bible is the word singularity uh, uh. further teaching is that jesus is now as the christ a spirit we can recognize in all of creation in every human being.
0: Um, can you point me to one text uh, from the Apostles that interprets Jesus' resurrection as this way? That now we can see the Christ in every human being. I don't think so. Why am I talking like this? I, think I...
2: Over the face of the earth, in every culture, in every country, in every community, In every life not absent from anything that has breath or lives and even from the earth itself this is
0: Uh, so the Christ is now in the earth itself hmm why does this sound so much like Rob
2: Bell is the work of Jesus as The Christ, the Holy Spirit, moving out from what we have been enabled to see in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. Which is, we have been shown the face of God in a human life. And once we have seen it and beheld that life in all of its grace, all of its beauty, by faith and by grace... We are enabled to see that life spread everywhere. And this is the message that Jesus carries to Mary Magdalene, the one.
0: Really, if this is the message that Jesus carries to Mary Magdalene, then where was this message recorded? It isn't. You're just making this up and sticking it in the text like your manure.
2: Among all the disciples who could see even beyond the stunning fact of His resurrection to the spreading abroad of the Holy Spirit over all the earth. Indeed, that Spirit had never been absent from the earth, but because we now recognize God in Jesus, we are given the gift of seeing that Spirit now. It is recognition of what God has always wrought God has never left the earth. God has never left human life or any life. But now, after the resurrection, through the witness of Mary, we are given the ability to see it. Uh, To see what again? The manure? After appalling things happen to nations, to communities... To individuals after the legality of it is laid to rest or not after just boy
0: this is taking a hard left turn where are we again can show me, somebody give me a map I, I'm
2: lost justice has been served or not life can begin again Nations can become... Why do I feel like I'm listening uh,
0: to Wormtongue from uh, The Lord of the Rings?
2: Become like fig trees that put forth new leaves after appalling things have happened within them. What comes to my mind again and again in this regard is the life in the recent years, the recent decades of South Africa.
0: Yeah, because, you know, when I... think about jesus 's resurrection from the dead, I mean like the next thing that comes to my mind is you know South Africa, like the two are like I have no idea how the two are connected.
2: I think we here at Grace Cathedral rightly call Desmond Tutu our friend, someone who cares about this place and visits it, visits it regularly. And it is in this Christian leader's life that we see the next step after the end of an appalling time, after the end of Apartheid. And new life is put forth in South Africa. Leaves are put forth on what seem to be barren branches. But what Desmond saw... Yeah,
0: talking about barren branches, that would be an apt description of this sermon.
2: ...was that there would be no fruit until the people of South Africa, black, colored, and white, all were enabled to see each other as having the dignity of Christ in their lives. No matter what their history had been, only so could fruit come forth on the leaves of a tree once barren. And so he instituted the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. This
0: and Desmond Tutu uh, is, um, did he die on the cross for our sins? Did he rise from the dead? I, I'm confused here. This is the gardening
2: work of Christ in South Africa. It's the digging around the roots. It's the faith that if the spirit of truth, telling the truth, and forgiveness... Uh, Telling the truth? When are you going to do that? ...which Christ proclaims in His resurrection. If this work is done by the Holy Spirit, if the people of South Africa embrace that work, and open themselves to it that South Africa would put forth flower and fruit. That they would move to the next level of life that Christ offers beyond the singular fact of rising from the dead. And so it is huh, for our communities, for our own neighborhoods, our cities, our worlds in which you and I live, and so it is for you as individuals and for me. I look out at a beautiful, beautiful grove of fig trees today, whom Christ is with. The Spirit of Christ is as present with you As with Mary Magdalene on that day, and with the disciples who believed...
0: Uh, No repentance, no forgiveness of sins. We have an incorporeal, uh, that's his word, incorporeal resurrection. And uh, we got manure and a fig tree. And
2: uh, that's about all I'm getting from this thing. And with the world and the centuries intervening between that moment and now no matter what appalling thing has happened in your life.
0: Uh, You're not going to say God's going to resurrect my dreams, are you?
2: And no matter whether it was resolved in a way that brought justice to you or not, Christ was working with you in spirit, affirming that you are loved of God.
0: Uh huh. This sounds similar to that uh, purpose-driven sermon. Yeah, the, let's just, just you know we now that we just know that we're loved. Yay! Um, repentance, forgiveness of sins, Christ dying on the cross for our sins, pierced for our transgressions, crushed,
2: bruised for our iniquities. Any
0: hey, that ring a bell to you?
2: Beyond the facts of any history, you are loved of God, and you have put forth leaves from whatever appalling thing has happened. Life has come. Death has been conquered. And many of you have put forth fruit. But perhaps there are some of you, and perhaps maybe all of us, who at some moment in our lives wonder not about christ with someone else even our enemy but christ with me christ with you have you i mean we're
0: hearing a lot about christ you can't figure out what i need him for yet though but he's with me somehow yay he's like my invisible friend harvey the big white rabbit. <clears throat> you don't see him?
2: Experienced that resurrection within, which is the result of being deeply loved. Uh,
0: the resurrection from within because I'm deeply loved. You know, I have a wife. I, um... Oh, this is weird.
2: Despite whether... Life has smiled on you, has sided with you, or has seemed to reject you. Christ stays with you, never abandoning you, believing that with the work of divine love poured out on you,
0: dug around your Boy, is this schmaltzy.
2: Good night. Your roots.
0: Faith in you. Oh, God has faith in me. You know, uh, Rob Bell says something like that in uh, one of his books.
2: <sighs> what, weird. That you will, you will flower. And
0: I don't want to flower. No, no, no. Because no. here's the deal. I mean, if I'm flowering, I'm dead. Yeah. this It's not normal for
2: flower. Yeah. Mm hmm put forth fruit the fruit of the knowledge that you are deeply loved of God and held in God's hand I am
0: I- I'm convinced this guy has to work really hard at trying to figure out what he's going to say every Sunday because he doesn't believe a word of this
2: for my part going to spend my time with Mary Magdalene looking For Jesus Christ.
0: Oh, that just sounds so pious.
2: In all of life, and in myself.
0: And Uh, you're looking for Jesus inside of yourself.
2: Wow. Looking for Christ as the gardener of your soul and mine.
0: Uh, that's the sermon. Uh, Okay, that was the Right Reverend Mark Handley Andrus of the um, Grace Cathedral, San Francisco, California. Wow. (laughs) Wow, that was bad. We're up on our second break. When we come back, it'll be our third contestant today in our Easter Sermon Palooza, otherwise known as the Stinky Sermon Trifecta. And... um, It'll be from City Community Church and Nathan Lagrange, uh, and the name of the sermon is "Awakenings Unashamed." Compared to those last two guys, <laughs> they're going to make this purpose-driven pastor seem brilliant. I am convinced of it, but uh, that—that's for the other side of the break. Now, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard uh, or didn't hear on uh, this this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, I am feeling loved. Whew, I better go flower somewhere. Uh, yeah, but I don't have enough pungent manure. Anyway, uh, email me. My email address is um, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, piratechristian. Christian. Wow, we'll be right back.
3: Christianity, we need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
2: This
4: is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio.
0: Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk to you about auto insurance. As the father of two teenage drivers, I know how expensive auto insurance can be. But as expensive as auto insurance is, it's nothing compared to the cost of not having it when you need it. That's why I'm excited to have Allstate Insurance as one of Pirate Christian Radio's featured advertisers. Did you know that drivers who switched to Allstate saved an average of $396 per year compared to what they were paying other companies? Now, I don't know about you, but I think $396 is a lot of money in these tough economic times. Why don't you give Allstate a call and see how much they can save you? You can reach them toll-free at 877-246-1511. Again, that's 877 246 one five one one. The good folks at Allstate will be happy to give you a free quote over the phone. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate.
2: <laughs>
0: the spring and summer travel seasons are just around the corner. And the last thing you want to do is pay more for your airfare, hotel, and rental car than you need to. That's why Pirate Christian Radio is proud to have Cheapo Air as one of our featured advertisers. Cheapo Air has over 18 million flight deals, low airfare guarantees, and 85,000 negotiated hotel rates around the globe. And if you visit our website, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, That web address, again, is piratechristianradio.com forward slash chief. Thank you for your support. All right, we are back. In the middle of our uh, Stinky Sermon trifecta, couldn't couldn't limit myself to five sermons for this year's contest. <laughs> I mean seriously, if that mean if, think if, if, like, you know, American Idol has to like top 24, you know? I mean, at least we can have a seven pastors to be considered for, you know, this coveted prize of having the worst Easter sermon of 2010. It it, it makes perfect sense to me. Okay, we are up to our third and final sermon contestant for the day and uh this is uh, hang on it's pastor nathan lagrange from city community church here in uh, indianapolis and um uh, you know i i gotta tell you when you hear this sermon you're gonna think well that's a lot <laughs> better than the previous two well it, it, well maybe not this one suffers from some serious problems too uh here is um, Nathan Lagrange. Us today.
3: How's it going? Um, so cool to be led into God's presence by great music and just maybe a, a fresh perspective uh, for you this morning on this on this really cool Easter Sunday. Uh, my name is Nathan Lagrange. I'm just one of the co pastors here at City Community Church, and this is just our weekend expression. This is just an hour. Where we get together and, and, like I said, maybe have a brand new perspective of, of who God is with, with maybe a worship song. Or maybe we, we lift up hands and say, wow, God, you've done incredible things in my life this week. Or, or maybe you lift up hands and go, my God, where are you? You know, that kind of thing. You, you see that all around. So I know all of you are in different places in your life. And it's really cool to be able to gather together corporately and just kind of... Share those experiences together. So uh, we're excited that you're here. Um, And so what's the purpose
0: of church again? I don't know, get together and commiserate with people who are having experiences
3: in life. Oh, that's why we go to church. Ah. And I know on an Easter weekend, and it's kind of funny, Eric and I realized uh, last year, this is actually our second Easter. We're a little over uh, a year old uh, but we realized last year, we're like, you know, when you're in a young church plant, everybody goes to church with their mommy and daddy. So I can't tell you how many emails and telephone calls I got today, uh, you know, this week of guys and gals going, hey, we're not going to be there this weekend. we got to go to church with my mom. And I'm like, okay, it's cool that you're going to church with your mom, all right? Just suck it up. Uh, you're going to be fine. So if... Um, if you're just a part of our regular community, welcome and happy Easter to you. If you are from out of town and maybe you're here, uh, you were here for the NCAA tournament and holy, what, Butler? Are you serious? Yeah. How's, yeah. Um, they're playing a, a lesser known school, um, on Monday night. Yeah, Amanda, I hear your voice. Um, we have a Duke fan here, I think. But, uh, the, uh, <laughs> it was so cool. Um, as a matter of fact, as I was driving in this morning, I think Rachel has a picture of this because it was just so random. I had, I had to, to take it. Um, okay, I know you can't see that great because it was just a little iPhone shot, but there is no one around, and that's an empty sidewalk, and that's a wheelchair. <laughs> now, if you zoom in closer, that's a wheelchair with a Final Four cushion on it. Did the guy get healed and just <laughs> randomly walk up? And, and you know, I'm from southern Indiana. I'm kind of a redneck, so I took his seat.
0: I just want to remind you all, this is the Easter Sunday Sermon. <clears throat> Did I mention it was Easter Sunday? Easter!
3: Seat cover from him. But, uh, yeah. So at any rate, if you see a guy wandering around going, Dude, where's my seat cover? Um, I have it. And I'm not giving it back to him. But, uh, yeah, so maybe you're here for uh, for the final four. Um, maybe you just got... You know, drug here by a girlfriend or something. Uh, I know of a lot of, you know, girls who are like, look, if, if, if you want to get anywhere with me, you're going to need to come to church with me. And yeah, um, <laughs> guys, if, if, if you're one of those people here, I am a victim of that. <laughs> look what happened. <laughs> so just be very wary of a girl that invites you to church because your whole life just might get turned upside down and you start doing random weird things like, you know, co-pastoring a church. It's just really weird. So whatever the reason you're here, we're glad you're here. And we hope that today provides, you know, this incredible feeling of acceptance no matter who you are. Um, but we also pray that there's a little bit of challenge that goes on because we know that when we, when we draw closer to God, it's usually in the challenges and the tensions of life that help us grow um, life, uh, this whole journey with, with God is just an incredibly long process with a lot of ups and downs and campfires and Beth Ripple and accidents that happen in the middle of the woods. Oh, not you? That's my story. Uh,
0: <clears throat> Be- what? Beth Ripple and accidents that happen in the woods? That's your story? It's Easter Sunday! Uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, Pastor, you're not supposed to be telling your story. You're supposed to be telling Christ's story for us. Hello? He- hello. It's become legend in our family. Uh, oh, no. We're, story time, it involves the woods and things like that.
3: <sighs> Maybe you should light a campfire and tell the story. Um, therefore, I'll probably only hit about one or two of the facts. But when I was about 12, 13 years old... And my parents are sitting here today, and I'm wondering if they're going to remember this. I was about 12, 13 years old. I had the opportunity to go do a little overnighter in a in a state uh, uh, state park in the campground there, and it was with a you know kind of an activities group, various ages of kids. You know, they pack you on the non-air conditioned bus, you know, and ship you off in the middle of nowhere, and, and I was really excited. I mean, wow, the chance to be away from home and eat whatever s'mores or however many I wanted, and and, and, and Beth Ripple was going to be there too. And she was 16, and I was 12, and so I pretty much knew I had a shot. But um, at any rate, we uh, we hopped on the bus and, and uh, headed out. I was probably one of the younger kids there. And uh, we got out in the middle of nowhere and and started to set up the tents, and we were in primitive camping, the, the primitive campground area. And for those of you that don't spend any time outdoors, the primitive campground, bless you, has um, a lack of amenities, like... Electricity. I mean, you're not gonna find like a vending machine around, or showers, or bathrooms, which you'll find out why they call it the necessary room here in just a moment. So we're there at the campground. We're setting up the tents and we're playing games. And you know, I'm trying to catch Beth Ripple's eye. You know, like hey, I'm yard darts. I rock at this. thing hey, check me out. You know, and I, I think she thought I was cute. You know, like a Chihuahua is cute and that kind of that kind of thing. But I really was, I was just trying, you and me, baby. And um, so we, we did that whole kind of thing. And, and I remember there was this huge thing of Gatorade because, it, you know, we'd, we were kind of working really hard and drank, drank a, lot of, a lot of Gatorade. And, and so the night <clears throat> comes and we build this gargantuan fire. And I don't know what it is about fire. But it stirs up and seems to put more pressure on the bladder region for a guy like me. And so we sat around the campfire, and you know I kind of was observing. Like I said, I was kind of the youngest guy there. I'm kind of observing people go off into the woods and relieve themselves, you know, the guys and all that kind of stuff. And the,
0: <clears throat> I mean, how would you like to dress in your Sunday Easter best? You know, the dress the kids up in in their new Easter clothes. You know the girls put them in those little cute little spring dresses with the easter colors and and you know get up early and you know you're going to church to celebrate the resurrection of the lord and you get to the sermon time and your pastor is talking about relieving himself in the woods yeah that's what i want to hear on yeah on easter this is
3: what girls would go in their little groups and stuff like that and go off and do that. And I I really needed to go. But the problem was I was noticing some of the guys would go out and they'd like drag the guys out while they were, you know, in the middle of relieving themselves. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I could not. I don't want to be embarrassed like that. I mean, Beth Ripple's here, for crying out loud. Whew. The other problem was the real bathroom was like a half mile that way in the dark. It's wood. they are bears in southern Indiana. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Um, there are bears somewhere in southern somewhere. But I was afraid, and I certainly didn't want to ask anybody to go with me. Hi, I'm 12. I'm in love with Beth Ripple. Um, could you take me to the bathroom, please? And so I spent a lot of time doing the dance. You know, I was just kind of doing the potty dance, just kind of walking around and stuff. And I was I was at a real breaking point in my in my functions here. And so I decided... I'm going to go over to this tree. And I just kind of, you know, did the kind of mosey kind of thing over here. And so suddenly I was like, okay, I'm a little bit out of the firelight. Okay, good deal, good deal, good deal. And so I prepared to do the the business here on this tree. And as I was kind of in mid-business, all of this yelling came towards me.
0: And I'm like, oh, no, I really don't want to hear about your business on Easter. Come
3: on. And I, and I mean, I'm I'm running back, and I'm like, oh gosh, and and I literally wet all over myself. I stood there with urine trickling down my legs, the warmth of the fire, and Beth Ripple. And I felt horrible. And I'm like,
2: what do I do? What do I do?
3: And it was like, oh, there's some more. And it just, it needed to come out. And it was, (laughs) it was all happening in there. And, and I, I just, oh, okay. So our tent is over here. What am I going to do? You know, so I'm like, you know, kind of walking by the fire like this and, you know, still kind of trying to make contact, you know. Yeah, that's great. And I go over into the tent. Well, people had started coming into the tent. I can't even change clothes. Gatorade smells really weird, too, after it goes in and comes out. And it just, I'm, I- you know, about this point,
0: I'd be gathering up the wife and kids and going, we're out of here. This is not Easter. I
3: am, I am, I'm almost in tears. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, I packed another pair of jeans. I'll just put that pair of jeans over the pair of jeans that I have, therefore eliminating the show of what's happening in this region. So I did. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, who wants
0: on Easter to have their pastor talking about that region?
3: I... spent the ride home in the front of the bus by myself with the rest of the people in the back of the bus mocking me openly. I stunk to high heaven. I was 12 years old, and I had peed myself and tried to cover it up. You remember that, Mom, don't you? Yeah, she's crying, laughing. Poor, poor child. There are a lot of times that we feel shame in our lives, right? I mean, a lot of times maybe you didn't pee yourself. Maybe you did. Maybe you still do. I don't know. I have no idea. There are other things that go on in your life and my life that are a little bit more serious that cause shame. And that actually are are, are almost disgraceful and, and... the, the funny thing about being ashamed is just like being in that bus on the way home, you're, you're alone, and you're isolated, and you're by yourself. And you think, oh, my gosh, everybody is making fun of me. And, 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 and you just, there's something about shame and disgrace that just brings you into kind of a dark place of being alone. And, yeah, it's all funny when you wet yourself when you're 12, and with a lot of therapy, I've gotten through it, but... There are others of you here that it wasn't so daggum funny. And something happened in your life that that, that caused you, or, or even worse, you didn't get help because you didn't want to let everybody else know that you had a problem with something. You see, I could have just found some... Nice, willing guy, and said, "Dude, look, I gotta use the bathroom. Would you walk me to the bathroom, please?" And and maybe somebody would have, but I didn't. I didn't want to say I needed help, because that would have been, oh well, you, yeah, twelve year old getting old as bladder. You know, and I was afraid of what people would say, and so I didn't speak up. And I know that's true in a lot of our lives, with a lot of different scenarios and situations that we can feel isolated in our shame or very alone and not wanting to speak up about what it is that we're going through. And it's funny because I don't know how much of that is cultural, just because we live in, you know, the independent place of, of America here, which is a wonderful place to live. It's just such a streak of independence that you never say, I, I, I need some help going to the bathroom here Will someone help me. I mean, you just, you pee yourself. How weird is that?
0: Um,
3: Is this the problem that Jesus Christ
0: came to solve by dying on the cross? To keep you from wetting yourself? I just need to remind you, this is an Easter sermon.
3: You know, one of the great things in my life has been picking up this book that I thought was really old and and out of date and had no application in any way, shape, or form to my life, was picking it up and, and beginning to read some of the stories in it and finding myself in these stories. Finding maybe the scenario and situation was a little bit different, but a lot of the characteristics and attributes were the same. And I'd pick this thing up and go, how does it know? How does it know that I'm going through that kind of a thing? And so, I want to share with you just a quick story in the book of Luke. Luke is in the in the New Testament, which is which is you know that kind of right side of your of your Bible if you have one. And um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, this is an Easter Sunday sermon. Glad to hear we're in the Gospel of Luke. Well, (laughs) we're close. We're all guys that wrote about. Jesus' ministry, whenever he was here uh, on the earth, and, and did an incredible job of recording it. Two of them.
0: Yeah, you know what they recorded that happened on Easter Sunday. All four of the gospel writers, every one of them, recorded that Jesus rose again from the grave on the third day for our justification. Hello,
3: <sighs> those guys were actual disciples of his. I mean, right there in the action, uh, writing, you know, almost you know, eyewitness account. And the other two are actually gathering some of those reports from other people and compiling them together. Luke happened to be one of those people. Um, the Bible, you know, and scholars say that, that, that maybe Luke was a, a, a great historian just because of his ability to chronologically put things into order, and, and he was also a physician. So this is a pretty sharp dude who's writing a bunch of the things that, that Jesus kind of did and, and was a part of and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was funny, as I was just praying over the last couple of weeks about I want the world to share on Easter and, and,
0: (laughs) oh man, (laughs) I'm going to wet myself. (laughs) Let me play that line again. Oh my goodness. Oh boy. Christianity has jumped off a cliff. Hang on a second.
3: Here we go chronologically put things into order and he was also a physician so is a pretty sharp dude who's writing a bunch of the things that that jesus kind of did and and was a part of and and all that kind of stuff and
0: yeah right and you know what luke wrote about that happened on easter yeah jesus rose from the grave you might you know what I mean?
3: it was funny as i was just praying over the last couple of weeks about wanting the world to share on easter and and
0: <laughs> uh, let me see if i have this right pastor um Uh, Nathan, uh, you spend a couple of weeks, you know, laboring in prayer. What should you preach about on Easter? Huh. What do you think God would want you to preach about on Easter, Nathan? I mean, does anything come to mind when you think about Easter? You know, um... Anything important? Is there a vague memory in there somewhere about something that has to do with Jesus and what he did and accomplished on Easter? I'm sure that if you were praying about it, God was up in heaven going like this. Pray about Jesus' death and resurrection from the grave. Pray about Jesus' re- you know, that I'm sure God was doing something like he, did you have your hearing aid turned off while you were praying?
3: I think for me personally, um, Easter is so much more than just a holiday, just a moment. Um, Easter is is really something that I carry in my heart every day. Um, it's not just a, a oh no. What
0: <laughs> seriously? You carry it in your heart every day? Do you think you could preach on it on an e- on Easter Sunday?
3: Uh, a time to get together, you know, and, and hunt Easter eggs and uh, eat ham and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a time to, to, to really allow this truth of the stories to come alive inside of your heart. And uh, so I, I want to share. How is the truth of the story supposed to come alive in these people's heart when you're not telling that story? Ah! One of those stories. Um, that really when it comes to shame and, and when it comes to feeling alone and isolated or, or even allowing others to, to interfere with you doing what needs to be done in your life uh, might shed some light on that. So if you have a Bible, um, it's Luke, uh, what is it, chapter 18. And I'm reading out of the Amplified uh, when, you're, when you're here, Eric and I both both read out of a, a number of different Bibles. Uh, we love the message paraphrase. Uh, we love the New Living Translation. We love the New International Version. And we love the Amplified. It's just, there's all-
0: In other words, you have real, really no biblical study skills whatsoever.
3: All kinds of different perspectives and different. Uh, the message, uh, a perspective. Yeah, well, that's one way of putting it. Different ways of, of translating the same scenes. And I like to read all of them. And just kind of see what, what pieces and parts can we put together. So today I'm reading out of, of, of Luke 18, and I'm around verse uh, la, 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 la. I'm around verse 35. So let me
0: He's on the uh, other side of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Well, at least we're in a gospel story. <laughs> yay yay
3: What, the, what was that. Let me, uh, let me just read the first part of this. and I want to talk about this for just a minute. It says, as he, and it's a capital H, so he would be Jesus, came near to Jericho, it occurred that a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, if you've come to CityCon before, you know I'm just going to keep stopping. We have this incredible tendency when we read to just whew, try to get done. We try to get through the material instead of allowing the material to get through us. And so sometimes when we read, we're just like, okay, uh, blind guy, yeah. And if you grew up around the Bible or if you've read any of these stories, you're like, okay, I know where this is going. You know, this dude's going to get healed. I know it. And so you just, you just kind of breeze over stuff, and you, and you forget the context, and you forget really what, what would have been happening there. I mean, Jericho, city, Jesus, I mean, guys, Jesus was growing in immense popularity. Remember 18 chapters into the book of Luke? Jesus is a pretty famous dude, okay? He's healed people. He's cast out demons. I mean, what is that all about? I mean, he's been, he rose from the dead. It's Easter. You could talk about that, you know. But doing all these incredible miracles, and he's saying all these random things, and people are starting to follow this guy. I mean, he's pretty popular. Oh, <laughs>
0: and he's saying some pretty random things. and i still think this is better than the other two i'm losing my mind though i think (laughs) i'm gonna flame out
3: popular guy in certain people's minds he's a very unpopular guy in other people's minds those that wanted to adhere to a very strict religious tradition jesus was breaking all the rules talking about being the son of god whatever what you you do all these kinds of things. How can you be the son of God? So Jesus was becoming this iconic figure right in this moment. So he's not just cruising through Jericho by himself. He's got an entourage, all right? I mean, he is MC Hammer in the heyday with the entourage going on. So he comes.
0: Okay. Jesus is MC Hammer in the heyday. Yeah, Jesus running around in big old fat Parachute like pants, going can't touch this. Him and his posse, Jesus and the gang, Jesus and the boys, B O Y Z. Yeah, he was kicking it, you know, kicking it with the tax collectors and kicking it with the with the hoes, you know, because Jesus in the heyday, man. He, I can't even do this right.
3: Comes do, Jericho. It occurred that a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. How many of you have been to a third world country? All of you, great. See how very not many hands went up with that one? Third world countries have a very um, almost perspective rocking way uh, uh, of just messing with your head when you see people in such extreme poverty. Uh, those of you that have been to India have ex- experienced this incredible poverty as you've walked through some of the streets or, or, in, or in different countries, you know, down in the, in the southern hemisphere, Haiti, which has been uh, on the news like crazy. We've seen just incredible poverty. This guy was blind, thus rendering him incapable of working in that day and age. I mean, I'm sorry, he's not like on a computer entering data or anything like this. This is a, this is a labor workforce that we're talking about in this day and age. This guy is blind, rendering him incapable of working. And he's begging by the side of the road. Just by the side of the road. I mean, try to get a mental picture of what that might look like. What does that look like? Maybe you've even seen some of that right here in, in our fair city. I mean, maybe you've seen that in places. Get a mental picture in your mind of what that looks like. A blind man. And it doesn't tell how old he is, but he was a man. So you've got to put some years on him. And, and maybe he's very feeble. And, and, and just imagine the, the smell and the look and just the, the whole environment and context of this story. And so there he is by the side of the road begging. Verse 36 says... And hearing a crowd going by, again, we're entourage, this guy's famous, hearing a crowd going by, he asked what it meant. Now, again, guy is begging, don't worry, we're not going to read a lot of this, but you got to get the, the feel of this thing. Guy is begging blind, and, and I think, again, uh, some of our culture has, has messed with our, our our ability, you know, we're like... Oh, he's just old man like this. And it, it, we kind of have this, oh, isn't that cute? Like the Chihuahua kind of cute thing. This is not cute.
0: <clears throat> uh, what exactly in the American culture would make people think, oh, this is a cute old man sitting on the side of the road like the ch- uh, a Chihuahua going Yo Quiero Taco Bell? Uh, this is what. This is exactly why you don't let junior high boys preach.
3: This is horrible. This guy is destined for a life of complete poverty. This guy is destined for a life of complete shame. And he's probably been this way for a long time. And so he asks, he's hearing whispers. I mean, his other senses are probably more acute because he's had to rely on them. And he's, he's hearing, who, what, what, who, who, who's coming? Who's coming? And they cry. He hears this, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David. And if you ever hear it called the son of David, I'm going to kill myself on this. The, if you ever hear it called the son of David, it was just simply fulfilling a prophecy that most of the people in that context would have known of. David, it said that this Messiah was going to come, a Savior was going to come and release people from their horrible slavery and that he was going to come from the line of David so he would have been a son of David and that would have just been one of the monikers that they gave Jesus and so he's hearing this all over the place but he can't see it he can't see it at all he's blind to it but he's hearing it Jesus is coming by Jesus, what, what look at this Verse 37, they told him, Jesus, Nazareth is passing by. And he shouted, saying, Jesus, son of David, take pity and have mercy on me. Again, we screw this whole thing up. We probably think, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's probably what you think in your head. No, no, no.
0: I've never thought that. In fact, I've taught on this text before and... Wouldn't you know it? I actually pointed out the fact the guy was yelling out Jesus' name. I never thought he was going, Oh, Jesus,
3: you threw off my groove. I don't know. No way. No way, no way. You know how I know? Look at the next part. But those who were in front reproved him. Hey, shut up. I'm telling him to keep quiet. And we're going to stop right there just for a minute. Because there's a, the next part of this verse just blows my mind. This guy wasn't sitting here going,
4: Jesus, son of David.
3: There's a crowd. This is Jesus. This guy has been in this prison of shame and disgrace for who knows how long. He's not taking any chances. If this guy really is Jesus, son of David, like that prophets have been talking about for a long time, that this is the Messiah that's going to come and set us free. If this is really that guy, I'm not giving it a,
4: Jesus, son of David, please.
3: Oh, no. No, this guy goes bananas. Look, look what it says in this, in this Amplified. It says, tell him to keep quiet. Yet he screamed and shrieked so much the more, Jesus, son of David. Have pity and mercy on me! See, this isn't clean. This isn't a pretty clean English thespian story. Oh, <laughs> He feels like he's
0: discovered fire. I mean, wow, let's give this guy a Cub Scout merit badge. I seriously... <laughs> this, uh Yeah, none of us could have figured that out on our own. Thanks for pointing that out. We had the cultural blinders on I, have the, for years, decades, millennia even. Americans, I know uh, Americans haven't been around that long, but just trust me on this. Uh, for millennia, Americans have been thinking, oh, the whole time, this, this story is about this poor old man just sitting on the side of the road going, Jesus, please help me. If it wasn't for... Nathan Lagrange we would have never figured out he was yelling. Oh. <laughs> Again, this is what happens when you let junior high boys stand in the pulpit and preach. Actually, it's not the pulpit. It's a stage, but oh boy. Yeah, and I still think it's better than the other two, but that's just me. Not much though. I <laughs> By the way, this would be a great time to point out, you know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a great prayer for you and for me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mm. See, that's the part that can preach. Let's see if he gets to that part.
3: This is reality. This is a man who is locked in blindness, darkness begging, and now screaming, wait a minute, the Jesus, son of David? Whoa, I mean, he's all over the place. (gasps) Help me. See, for some of you right now, you're like, aren't talking about Jesus like that? We're supposed to be, I wore nice clothes today because everything's supposed to be proper. You've been fed a lie. Sorry. This is the reality of the story. Don't let man screw it up for you. Don't even let me screw it up for you.
0: Uh, Too late. Um, So the point, so this, you took the time. Basically, if you came to church and you think things should be proper, you know, actually preaching about Christ's death and resurrection. (sighs) Yeah, this is just dumb.
3: Read it for yourself. He screamed and shrieked all the more. Saying, Jesus, son of David, take pity and have mercy on me. He is out of his brains screaming. Because if this guy is who he says he is, then he can do for me what needs to be done. And the whole people are going, shut up, dude. Seriously. These were the people in Jesus' posse, the disciples. Yeah, we hang out with Jesus. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Big J. They're telling this guy that desperately needs Jesus to shut up. Shut up. He's going by. You're out of order. What are you doing? He's just shrieking, screaming. And you got to love Jesus. You just got to love it. He says, Then Jesus stood still. I mean, again, entourage. Blind guys over there screaming. To where everybody's going, everybody's looking, oh, blind guy over there. And Jesus stops, stands still, you know, do the three stooges, everybody bumping up to it. He just stops. He looks. Look what he says. He orders that he, he being a blind beggar, be led to him, him being Jesus. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, now again, these disciples that were going, tell that guy to shut up. Tell that guy to sit down. You think it's a prop, don't you? Tell that guy to shut up. Tell that guy to sit down. Will you tell that guy? To, Is he eating something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's eating during the sermon. Unbelievable.
3: I'd Be quiet. Those same guys, Jesus goes, hey, you go bring him here. Yeah, get off your high horse and go bring him here. Yeah, I know he's losing his mind. Go bring him here. Bring him here. Watch this. He says, and when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I go, what do you want? And he said, Lord, let me receive my sight. Now again, Lord, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith, your trust and confidence that spring from your faith in God has healed you. And instantly, he received his sight and began to follow Jesus, recognizing, praising, and honoring God and all the people when they saw it. Praise God. Again, be there. Dude, screaming, let me stop see. I mean, again, when Jesus asks you a question, he just wants to know if you know that you need a question answered. It's not like he's like, hmm, your name again? Was it Frank? No, Ted? No, I don't remember your name. It's not, that's not the way Jesus operates. He looks at this man and just wants to know if this guy will admit his need. And he wants all the people around him to see it too. This guy can openly admit his need. This guy knows he's blind. And he knows that I'm the only one that can heal him. Now look at it. Jesus says, receive your sight. Now there wasn't like this magical incantation or, I mean, all this kind of stuff. You know, give me my hat and my wand. You know, I mean, this, none of this went on. He just said, receive your sight. Now again, was the guy like, oh, thank you. I can see. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Dude probably lost his mind again. Seriously, you've been blind. Now you can see. Just probably went off the Richter scale. And the Bible records that he just, he follows Jesus. I bet he was just like, I mean, I mean, play the game. The guy's not, he he hasn't seen anything. Play the game. The guy is just like going out of his mind. And it says that he, he follows after Jesus. He's praise honoring. Oh
0: my gosh.
3: And everybody around is going, wow. And probably not in their nice, traditional way.
0: Uh, Notice a slap against uh, those people who attend a respectable church. It's an obligatory part of uh, seeker-driven, purpose-driven pastor preaching. Yeah.
3: They're all just losing it. All right. Now, what in the world does it have to do with anything? Well, it has to do with everything. You see, in this story is the most beautiful example of a man who recognized his need was not ashamed to make a spectacle even of himself in declaring his need and didn't even allow the people around him who told him to shut up. No, to heck with you. Get off me. I'm going after that. This guy was not ashamed at all to come before Jesus Christ and say, I can't see and I want to see. And I know you can awaken these eyes where I can see again. I know this is thousands of years later, but that same power is still around. Oh, yeah, it's here physically too. But I know for a lot of people in this type of context, there is a spiritual blindness that's simply fallen over your eyes for years. And you're beginning to awaken to the fact that you can't really see things as well as you'd like to. But now for a number of reasons, maybe you're not willing to admit it. Maybe like me, knowing I've got to go do this, I was just embarrassed about it. I mean, Jesus, like go to church, read your Bible. Is that the guy we're talking about? Ooh. Maybe you're just embarrassed. Maybe all the people around you have influenced you incredibly in a totally negative way. Going, Pfft, you don't need Jesus. You just need another wife. That'll solve your lust problem. Go grab you another wife. No, you don't need Jesus, man. You need you need more money. Yeah, you need more money. That'll fill all that up inside of you. I mean, <laughs> listen. I found myself at 12 years old in a place of shame, in a funny, goofy story. I found myself at 24 years old in a place of spiritual shame, in a not-so-funny, goofy story. I was spiritually blind, and there was only one person who could help me see. His name is Jesus Christ, and I'm not ashamed of that name. And I'm not ashamed to shriek it, scream it. I'm not ashamed of what ever anybody else is telling me around me. I don't care. Because I know, I believe. And because of that, God has healed my sight. There's some of you here today. You've got all kinds of outside influences talking to you, telling you, hey, you don't believe in all that junk. You're going to church. (laughs) Well, we're going to be just waking up around noon. I used to live that. I know how that works. Listen, don't let anybody stand in the way of this Jesus that is passing you by. He's headed that way. You call on him, he will stop. For what? How
0: are we like the blind man in the story? Tell us about the blindness of our sin of our rebellion against God, our slavery to sin, death, and the devil, how we're all born spiritually blind. Tell us about the forgiveness of sins, Christ's death on the cross, and His victorious resurrection from the grave on the third day. Tell us how that opens our eyes and heals us of our spiritual blindness. Come on, Nathan.
3: And he'll tell you to come near. And if you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Your eyes will suddenly be open to things that you may never have seen before. Wha- and Like the man that... F-
0: Why are we blind, Nathan? You got to tell the bad news.
3: Physically received his sight and went, whoa, hands and feet. Wow, that's ugly. You know, you may awaken spiritually. And begin to see things inside of God's word and go, I never
4: knew that was in there.
3: You may awaken to the way the world works and the systems that go on in here, and you may go, Whoa, this has been here the whole time? Yeah, you just haven't awakened to it yet. You're blind. There is an incredible opportunity, not just here on a Sunday morning but each and every moment of your life to call out to Jesus Christ and not in some modest way, but in sheer desperation, shrieking if you need to, screaming if you need to. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, me. Help me to see. I'm tired of being blind. I'm tired of being a beggar. I want to see. And because our king is so gracious, he will stop, and he will allow you to receive sight. This is true.
0: Explain our blindness. What is it? Give us that desperation that we need to shout out to Christ and beg for his mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Show us how we're all blind naturally and need this great Savior to stop and give us sight. It's uh, got the right theme even though this is not this is not even a kosher uh Easter sermon at all but man he's he's blind to the thing he needs to be talking about. Uh.
3: Now, I'm going to ask the band to come back up here.
0: Oh no, here comes the sappy music.
3: Listen, you you may be like, oh, "Okay, that's great for the person that doesn't believe in Jesus. I'm so glad I came to Easter." You know what I found in my life? A lot of times, we who have maybe been walking with Christ for a while in his entourage, one of his disciples, are some of the worst barriers at allowing other people to come and see who he really is. We jump up on our traditional high horses. We get all up in ourselves. And somebody who desperately needs him is blocked by us. I've done
0: it. Like the way you're doing it now? (sighs) You just talk about us being blind. Blind how? Show me the real Jesus. Come on. You've told me a little bit about him, but you haven't told me why I need him. He's walking by. I don't even realize I'm blind. Show me why I need to scream out and call for the son of David to have mercy on me. It is Easter after
3: all. And sh- oh, shame, shame, shame on us! You may be one of those people that says, "Man, I may be a barrier to somebody over here who desperately needs to see." Listen, there's healing for you, just as well as there's healing for a man who's physically blind. That's the cool thing about the kingdom of God—you can't, you can't escape it. You won't find yourself living outside of the realms of its ability to draw you in to your desperate need for Jesus Christ. You see, that blind man begging by the side of the road, he couldn't see with his eyes, but he felt it here and he heard it here. And he just simply believed that if this guy was who he said he was, then he can do anything. Believed it enough to simply call out. Say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. We'll let these guys play a little bit. And again, I'm not sure where you find yourself in the story. Okay, let me help you out here. I can tell you how
0: I find myself in the story. I am the blind guy. By nature, I am blind to my own sin. By nature, I am blinded just how unrighteous I am, and the Holy King of Israel, son of David, prophesied in the old script in, this, in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is walking by, and I know my sinful and wretched condition before God, that I don't stand a chance of being able to stand before God and not quake in my boots and then have him toss me into hell because that's exactly what I deserve. I know I'm blind. Son of David, have mercy on me. It's so similar to the the, the prayer of the tax collector in the temple in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, Jesus doesn't only give healing to blind people that are physically blind but he gives healing to blind people who are born blind deaf can't see and don't understand who are at war with God he gives them sight and raises them from the dead that's me and that's you so yeah I can shout out son of David have mercy on me that is my prayer every day there how's that could you do that one?
3: But he can heal the physically blind or the Pharisee who lives in spiritual blindness as well. Jesus, you truly are all that we need.
0: Apparently, uh, they skipped over to the... Uh...
3: Father, help us this morning to realize our blindness.
0: It's good prayer.
3: Help us to realize the condition of our very beings. Roadside beggars that simply need the king that's passing by to have mercy upon us.
0: Listen, he's preaching the gospel while he's praying. Well, finally we've gotten to it. Okay, good. Come on. Preach it. With the manipulative music in the background.
3: (laughs) And thank you, God, that you will in no wise cast out anyone who calls upon your name. No matter if this is the first time that we've heard of you or if we've known your name for a long time but have never intimately gotten acquainted with the person of Jesus Christ. You're gracious enough to stop, stand still, and have mercy and compassion upon those that realize their desperate need for you.
0: See, this is preaching gospel without law at this point. Yeah, we're all in desperate need of Jesus, but you didn't see <laughs> it. Didn't preach the law so that we know how desperately we need them. This is better than the other two, though.
3: Thank you, Lord, that you took upon yourself our shame. That you took upon yourself all of the disgrace And that nailed to that cross and dead and buried in that tomb were our sins. And that, Father, on that third day, the Spirit raised Christ from the dead. The Spirit raised Christ from the dead. And we can now walk in freedom, released from the prisons of our blindness, released from the... Uh,
0: That was the first and only reference, really, to Jesus' resurrection. And it's Easter. It's an Easter sermon.
3: ...the prisons of our begging, because you, Jesus, Son of David, had mercy upon us. Lord, I pray we would just simply recognize it. Not in a forceful way. Not in a condemning way. But in a way that calls you to us. Lord, I pray for each person here in this Okay.
0: I I'm, I'm done. Just I have to go shower after that. Ugh. So there you have it. Um, I just couldn't limit myself to, you know, five contestants for this year's worst Easter sermon of 2010. So there we have three contestants all in a row and whoo stinky sermon uh, trifecta palooza. Uh, man. <laughs> I I am not kidding. I'm, I'm getting off the air. I'm going to go bathe. I'm, I might even go work out for like a couple hours to get that out of my system. Woo! <laughs> At least one more tomorrow to you know to end off so <sighs> I haven't decided who's going to be the final contestant one of the ones that's in the running though uh I haven't decided who which pastor is going to be the final contestants one sermon that is in the running is a sermon <laughs> uh on the rapture on Easter I I am not kidding um yeah we'll I'll make that decision tomorrow don't know if I'm going to play that one though we're uh, rapidly approaching the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith. need to remind you, uh, as entertaining as this show can be at times, um, we depend upon your generous financial gifts and contributions in order to continue to bring this outreach to you. You can support us financially by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you will find two friendly yellow buttons. One says join our crew. The other says uh, donate. On the join our crew button, when you click that, what you're doing is signing up to automatically contribute a mere six dollars and ninety five cents every month to fighting for the faith, and uh, that basically when we get to a thousand listeners and you know we 've got a little more than three hundred left to go uh, when we get to a thousand listeners, then that guarantees at least we 're able to pay our bills on a monthly basis so this is important bill paying mucho importante because we do not have the ability to run in the red so and we are well we 're currently running in the red a little bit, so uh, that 's uh, something to consider. And, of course, if you'd like to contribute, uh, decide the amount yourself, you can do so by uh, clicking on the Donate button. It lets you securely uh, specify the amount you'd like to send to us. Of course, if you'd like to uh, do it the traditional way, you can do so by making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, what would you think? We'd love to get your feedback. You can email me. My email address is... Talk back at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.